Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, Senior Pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland. It's a church that plants churches. And of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. Hey, we're glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message. We hope this teaching helps you love God and love people better every single day. And if you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching. Y'all, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but don't you think the disciples and the followers of Jesus had like the most interesting and unique uh, situation in life? Like probably they had the most unique experience, I would say, out of anybody in all of human history. Like they saw things that literally no one ever is going to see. No one else in all of human history. I like to think of what the Apostle John said in the Gospel of John, right when he's wrapping up the book. And remember, this is like one of the one of the four Gospels, one of the four of the same story that's told by four different people. He says, all of the things that Jesus did could fill up all the books. Like, there's not enough books for the amount of things that Jesus did. These are just the highlights of the story, right? These We get all of the, the little sneak peeks and the glimpses of the kinds of things that he did, but we don't get the full story. And it just blew my mind. I was thinking, like, how amazing is it that they had that experience? Imagine the expectation that they would have had for Jesus and all that he was going to do. And we get little glimpses of that, right? Where the apostles are like, hey, what's going to happen when you like take your throne? And, you know, who's going to sit where? And they're starting to plot. They're starting to think ahead. They can see their future. They have all of these hopes and dreams about what he's going to do. And ever since they were little kids, they were raised to like look for the Messiah. You remember that? Like this was part of the culture. To be Jewish in that time was to wait and long for the Messiah. They needed somebody who was going to come and fulfill all of God's promises once and for all. They needed somebody who was going to overthrow the Roman government. They would have talked about this stuff when they were little kids. It would have been part of bedtime stories. It would have been part of church and school. I mean, everywhere. And finally, after all the false messiahs that had come all these years in, in their history, in their recent history, now there's Jesus. Jesus is here. And, and what's he doing? He's doing all of these crazy things, healings and miracles that they hadn't seen since the time of the prophets. It's been over 400 years since anybody's done anything like this. And finally, man, it looks like this is the real Messiah. And the, did you hear that he raised somebody from the grave? That he literally carries the power over death itself? I mean, imagine how that would have swelled up and the, how huge all the expectations would have been, and how invincible they all must have felt, and how nothing could have shaken them from their foundation, right? Until everything goes horribly wrong, of course, when Jesus is accused falsely, and he's arrested wrongfully. He's brought to trial, which is a, a joke of a trial, and he's, he's got false testimonies and witnesses coming against him, and they end up torturing him and eventually he stands before this guy who who puts him in front of a crowd and you've got a murderer on one side and Jesus on the other side and he says which one should I release to you today and what do they all shout you would expect them to say Jesus but they call for the murderer Bar Barabbas they're like let him out let him go what should I do with Jesus crucify him 
These would have been the same people who had just heralded him as king when he came into the city of Jerusalem. These would have been the same people who had ate some of the fish and the loaves. These would have been the same people, and yet all of a sudden everything goes horribly wrong, and they torture him, and they beat him, and then on Good Friday, which is horribly named, he's crucified. Everything would have just stood still. And that's when we come to this verse. And it's in Luke chapter uh, 23, verse 48. It says, when all the people who had gathered to witness the sight, the sight of Jesus being crucified, saw what took place, they left and they were beating their chests, but they walked away. But all those who followed him, including the women who had followed him and, and all the people from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. They just stood there, immobile. Like, think about how <laughs> gripping expectations lost would have been in that moment. To see his dead body, to know that it's all over. Like, all uh, he was supposed to overthrow Rome. He, he raised somebody from the dead. Couldn't he have avoided death? How could this be possible? It was setting in, and they couldn't move their feet. They just stood there. I know the feeling. At least in part, I know that visceral feeling of sinking that hits your stomach when the devastation of disappointment and loss just starts to shift inside of you when your nightmares enter your reality and become your life. I know what that feels like to a degree. And they must have been experiencing it then too. I know because many years ago, my wife Casey and I, we found out that we were having a baby and it was about three weeks after we found out the baby was going to be a little girl, we were going to name her Olivia Christine. Christine is my mom's first name. We wanted her to be kind of the namesake. And uh, it was about, we told mom, actually. <laughs> and she, she cried. She thought it was the coolest thing. And she was so excited to meet her. So many hopes and expectations. Three weeks later, it was about 3 a.m., uh, I was fast asleep. I had been stirred up a couple times throughout the night because some ambulances went by. I remember waking up when the sirens went by when they were on, and I remember even hearing them leave without the sirens on. But I slept through it because it was the main route, and this is you have nursing homes and stuff. I just figured, oh, it's whatever, and I slept. But then my phone woke me up, and it was a family friend, and they were hysterical, and they're just crying on the phone, and they're just, I can't even barely understand them. They're just saying, like, something's wrong, something's wrong. It's your mom. She's on the way to the hospital. Your dad's hysterical. He says it's something different. And then I called my father right away, and I could barely understand him. He was crying and sobbing so uncontrollably. He just said, something's wrong. And that feeling, that shifting, that sinking, that visceral response where I just felt like I couldn't move my feet hit me right then. I knew something was wrong. I knew something was deeply wrong. I ended up going to the hospital and finding out that my nightmares had become reality, that my mom had passed away, and that all of my hopes, all of my <laughs> dreams to see my, my mom's namesake and them interact and, and all of that, it was gone, and I had to reckon with it because she, there she was. Like, imagine how much more so as much as I felt it, as much as maybe you felt it in seasons of loss, in shifting tides, imagine how much more those who had walked three 
years with Jesus. They didn't just go to work with Jesus or see Jesus' synagogue or go to shop with Jesus. They were with him every single day, 24-7, 365, for three solid years. They seen him do everything, but it no more. How do you come back from a disappointment that severe? How do you ever believe again? How could you ever believe again? Unfortunately, the story that they told is all too familiar. It happens in so many people's lives. We, most of us, most of us who are adults have a story like that. And how is it? How, how do you come to a place of being that broken, having that high an expectation and have that deep a disappointment, that deeper hurt and ever come to believe again? Life is like that. I, I wish I could tell you it wasn't. I wish I could say that life didn't throw us curveballs or didn't hurt us or harm us, but life breaks us. I'm just kidding. Uh, look, I know I, I'm supposed to say really nice things because it's Easter, but can we be honest? Life breaks us. And then it binds us. Once we're broken, we feel bound into that pain, bound into that hurt, bound into that death, whatever that is. And we get so many tears flowing from our eyes that we are literally blinded to everything around us. And then we're just confused and bewildered by the world around us. Life breaks us. Life leaves us in bondage. Life leaves us blinded. Life leaves us bewildered. And frankly, the people who say to us that you just need to pick yourself up and be strong and stand up, and that, it's not enough. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not going to sound like all the self-help guys on TV. I am not enough. I need more. But God is that. And in the darkness that was that moment for the disciples, for the women that were following Jesus, for his family, for all those that believed in that moment of darkness, they needed something. They didn't know what it was. We might know the story, but they didn't. They needed something. In Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 1, it says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. Understand where they went. They went to a tomb. I know, I know. It's Easter Sunday. You're at church. Okay? You're at, we all went to church on Easter. They went to a tomb. Because everything they believed in was broken. Everything they believed in was dead. Everything they believed in had been buried. It was completely broken. But God, listen, here's what I need you to understand. They went to a tomb not knowing God had already repaired what was broken because God is bigger than our brokenness. Do you see that? God had already, they didn't know that. They just showed up at the tomb. It says taking spices they had prepared. Why? Because they, listen, yo, yo, they are coming to take care of their brokenness. God's already healed it, and they don't even know it. They're showing up to take care of their brokenness. They found when they got there that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Listen, I got to tell you, they were, not only were they broken, not only were they experiencing brokenness, there was a bondage here. 
You, I watch. You got to see this at the multiple levels that exist. These women were not going to be able to roll that stone away. In order to come and treat the body of Jesus, they had to rely on Roman soldiers who were guarding the tomb. Those people that oppressed them as Israelites had to be depended on to move the stone so they could treat their brokenness. Do you see the layers of bondage that are going on here? I mean, it's deep. It is deep. They are bound up in their sorrow. They're bound up in their brokenness. They need their oppressors to let them in to even take care of their wounds. But when they showed up, not only was God bigger than their brokenness, God was bigger than the bondage because when they showed up, the stone was already gone. And by the way, not only was the stone rolled away, the Roman soldiers were gone. They weren't even there because when God moved, everything that bound them took off. Do you see that? God was bigger than their bondage and he was bigger than their brokenness, but they couldn't understand it. They looked at it. One of the other, one of the other accounts tells us, watch. It says, so they went in, watch. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. So they stood there puzzled. They, 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 you got to see this. You got to see this. They were looking at their miracle and couldn't see it. Can I just tell you that that happens in our lives an awful lot. God's delivered us, God's moved, God's there, God's in us, God's changed us, God set us free, the stone is rolled away, the oppressors have left, all the brokenness has been healed, but we don't see it yet. Why? Because everything we've been through has left us blinded. Even We're so blinded. Look, it's like when you walk out of darkness and into the light. Have you ever done that? You walk out of darkness and into the light. For just a minute, you can't see anything. You can't make out anything. You're confused. You're blind. You can't. You got to stop and let your eyes readjust. Y'all, when God heals your brokenness and sets you free from your bondage, it takes a minute for your eyes to adjust so you can see what he's done in your life. Do you see that? But he heals our blindedness. He lets us understand what he's done. The Bible says, as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. Can you imagine this? All of a sudden, wow. I mean, you are in a tomb. An angel show up. My guess is your first thought is these aren't angels. You know, my guess is your first thought is freaking out. But these two men show up. The women were terrified, it says. And they bowed with their faces to the ground. I mean, probably thinking, don't kill us. Then the man asked, why, listen to the question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? For someone who is alive, he isn't here, he is risen from the dead, it says. Remember, he told them. They hadn't thought about it, they hadn't figured it out. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. He's already told them this. But can I tell you something? In your brokenness, in your bondage, in your blindedness, it is awfully difficult to remember what God promised you before. You'll forget the promise because of the pain. Then it says they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back. Now watch. They rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples. There's only 11 because Judas is out. And everyone else, what had happened? And it was Mary Magdalene, Johanna, uh, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. 
But the story sounded, listen, you, you got to hear this. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. They were going, what is up with these women? So they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Now I want you to watch what he did. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. He has seen his miracle. He's looked at it, but he still can't get quite past the brokenness, the bondage, and the blindness. Let me, let me be honest with you. Your first reaction to God doing a powerful work in your life is bewilderment, is confusion. I'm just, can I be honest? When you finally get delivered from something, you're not even sure how to live now. You got to relearn how to walk. You got to relearn how to talk. You got to relearn how to be because it's all changed. All the reality has changed on you. And that's, and that's where Peter is. Peter didn't look inside this tomb. He should have. I'm going to be honest. He should have looked inside this tomb, remembered what Jesus said, said, oh, he got up and went out. I'm going to go find him right now. It's not the way that happened. He was just confused and bewildered. Now, I want to be honest. The brokenness, the blindness, the bondage, the bewilderment, it can come because of something like what Pastor Dave described, something you have no control over. But it can also come because of something you've done to yourself. You broke yourself. It can also come, y'all, can I be real? Let's, let's, let's keep it real on Easter Sunday. Sometimes this kind of brokenness this kind of bondage, this kind of blindness, this kind of bewilderment comes because church people hurt you. And let me be honest. Sometimes when church people hurt us, we attribute what they did to us as an attribute of God. But that's not God's attribute. That's a man's attribute. That's a person's attribute. And what we've got to do in that confusion is we've got to back up. We've got to say to ourselves, no. God's not the one that hurt me. God's the one that wants to heal me. Now, this Easter, what I want to do is I want to acknowledge. I, I just want to acknowledge that life, is, life breaks us. Life, life blinds us. Life binds us up. Life leaves us confused. All of that happens. But God wants to set you free. But you've got to let him. You got to look into an empty tomb and know that there is a living Savior who will set you free. I, I'm going to pray in just a minute. When I pray, it's going to be a real simple prayer. And we call it the ABC's prayer. Admit that you need Jesus. Believe that he can and will forgive you and commit your life to follow him from this day forward. That's what we're going to pray in just a minute. When I ask you to pray, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to pray for you first, then I'm going to ask you to pray with me, then I'm going to pray for you again. All right? That's the way this is going to go. And if you would receive Jesus, I'm going to tell you, he'll heal the brokenness. He'll deliver you from the bondage. He'll, he'll take care of the blindness. And he will take the bewilderment away, and you'll begin to understand that it was Jesus you needed all along. I'm inviting you to a relationship with the Savior 
the world. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, what I ask right now is that you would just move in power everywhere, everybody that's hearing this message. God, that you would speak into that life. Lord, there's brokenness. The, the, the world breaks us. and you, You've seen that. And you, you cry over it with us. There's bondage. We get trapped in what has hurt us. There's a blindness that we can't even see what the right next step is, what the right answer is. We can't figure it out. There's a bewilderment or confusion. But, Lord, you can deliver us from all of that if we'll just allow you to. So, Father God, what I ask right now, Holy Spirit, guide us. Let us surrender to you and make you our Savior. If today's the day that you're going to do that, I want you to pray these words with me. There's nothing powerful in the words. It's all about the state of your heart. But pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I need you. I admit that I need forgiveness. Forgive me for all the ways that I've messed up. I believe that you can and will forgive me. I believe you rose from the grave to set me free too. And I will commit my life to you from this day forward. Forgetting what is behind, the Apostle Paul said, and striving toward what is ahead. Forgive me, wash me clean, make me yours. And I will give you praise, Lord. Thank you. God, I want to thank you for everybody that just prayed that prayer. And I pray that you would give them a sense that Something has changed in the eternal, Lord. Let us know that you are real, that you are risen, and that you have set us free. And we'll give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every single day. If you enjoyed this, please take a second, share it with your friends. And last, we wanted to give a special thanks to all of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you all that this is possible. And if you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, go ahead and click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. So thanks again for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.